It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. we've been walking through a series, which we're actually coming almost to the end of. We just have a couple more uh, studies, but we've been looking at this idea of life in the Word. And one of the things we've been looking at is just these, this twofold aspect of what does it mean to have life in the Word of God in person, Jesus, and what does it mean to have life in the Word of God in text, I mean, in Scripture. Um, so we spent some time looking at this idea of abiding, which we're going to get into more next time. Uh, we were walking through just this idea of life in Jesus. Uh, the last couple of studies we've been walking through getting into the Word, and I want to kind of bring those two together uh, this evening, looking at both the Word of God in text and the Word of God in person. Uh, but I want to kind of go back and do a quick review. We were talking about this idea of getting into the Word of God and what is the purpose for coming to Scripture, and one of the things that we were just trying to remind everyone is that the reason we come to Scripture is that not because it's a duty, uh, not because it's an obligation, and not because it's a have to, not because you have to whip up a message, uh, not because, you know, flicking the pages wards off demons or a chapter day keeps the devil away or whatever other reasons we come to Scripture. The reason we come to Scripture is primarily to know the author, right, the God of the universe who wrote the book. We want to know him, and then as an outflow of that, we want to be transformed by truth. So again, if you come to the word for any other reason than getting to know him, what you're going to eventually find is that it's going to become eventually dull, it's going to become more of an obligation, and you're going to quit getting into the book because you feel like it's a thumb in your back. But what, as we've been talking, what would it look like if the reason you came to this book is because, oh, you just can't help yourself, and you want to get to know him? And it's in that exposure or allowing him to give revelation of himself through the word that you begin to experience like what those guys on the road to Emmaus had, which was that heartburn thing from Luke chapter 24. And as we talked about last time, what, what would it look like or what would it mean for you to realize that not only when you come to this book, are you wanting to get to know the author, but the phenomenal reality is that author lives inside of you through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit, which means just think how cool this is. You get to study his book with him. And as we looked at last week, this is not like studying Shakespeare. Praise the Lord. <laughs> right? That, that you, you know, if, if Shakespeare doesn't make sense to you, Shakespeare's dead, so you can't ask him questions. But what's amazing is this author is alive, so when things in this book don't make sense, and there are some, <laughs> there are some, that when things don't make sense in this book, you can actually just go to the author and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. Will you give revelation and insight in the, just the wisdom of, of, of this whole thing? And so I want to kind of take it one step further, and I want to talk about one of my favorite topics or words, and it'll make sense here in just a second. But I want to kind of set it up by asking a question. As we come to the Word of God, primarily in text, but also in person, do we, do we see it as a, like a vacation visit or do we see it as an indefinite dwelling? And in other words, I think for a lot of Christians today, when we come to Scripture, we almost see it as a vacation spot that we pop into for just a few minutes every single day or once a week. Or, you know, at least we, you know, we pull it off the coffee table or the doorstop or whatever we're using it for, you know, and crack its pages once in a while. But it becomes like this, this random momentary visitation in the Word rather than what it should be, which is this constant dwelling in it idea. 
It's interesting, and I've read these scriptures before, but in John chapter 8, listen to what Jesus is saying. It says that he was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And we talked about this several times already, but that idea of abiding is this idea of to rest. It means to sink down into. It means, means to cling or refuse to depart. It's this idea of a personal communion, this constant dwelling idea. And so here's Jesus, and he says, hey, you are my disciples. Well, how do you know if you're his, his disciples? Well, are you abiding? Are you dwelling? Are you resting? Are you clinging to his word? And then what's really interesting uh, is is John in 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, flips this whole thing. And he says, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So isn't this a cool thought that Jesus says, okay, you're going to be my disciples if you are abiding in the word. And then John says, well, yeah, that's true. But also the word is to abide in you. So you are to be in the word and the word is to be in you. And I don't know if that sounds similar to something, but do you recognize that 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 is hinting at the twofold reality of Christianity? That that when you look at the whole construct of of what Christ has done, that there's these two aspects to to our faith, to to Christianity. That, That I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And Christianity is not one of those pieces Christianity is both of those pieces. It's two sides of the same coin. And and it's it's this reality that I am abiding, I am dwelling, I am resting, and and I am in Christ, and yet he is in me. Uh, It's really interesting as as you come into the New Testament, that phrase or that idea of being in Christ, uh, in I don't know what you think of when you think of the word in. Uh, For example, this this evening, I came in to this room. That's not, not this idea. See, that kind of a concept is moving from one place to into another place. But this, this idea in the New Testament of, of in, which in Greek, by the way, is en, that in word has this idea of remaining. It's positional. It's stationary. It, it's not a pop in, pop out. I'm not going in there and coming out of there. It's I'm, 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 I'm there. Does that make any sense? So what would it look like then if I had a permanent location, had an indefinite dwelling in Christ? And then what if he had his permanent location in me? And so just to prove that, because apparently you need some evidence, uh, either that or you've had a really bad day. <laughs> uh, but, but look, at, I just want to show you both sides of this. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, now, by the way, this is all over Ephesians, in fact, 30 times in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul talks about being in Christ or in him or in whom. There's just this overwhelming emphasis that your position is in Christ. But, but just popping into chapter two, Paul is talking about the fact that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And he gets into verse five and he says this, even when we were dead in our trans- transgressions, he made us alive together with, it's actually the word in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with or in him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. 
You cannot get away from what Paul is saying as you begin to walk through Ephesians. He says that your location, your position, how you are to live is in Jesus. That that is your stationary, indefinite dwelling place. And yet the flip side of that coin is that though I am in Christ, Christ is to have his dwelling in me. That I am the dwelling place of the living God, which is incredible when you think about it. So for example, Colossians, this is probably the classic passage of this. Colossians 1, 25 through 29. Paul says that he's received this stewardship from God in this ministry so that, Paul says, I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery. Now, pause right, right there. I've been pondering this passage. Do you know how phenomenal of a thought this is? Paul says, God has given me this stewardship or this ministry, and I get the privilege, Paul says, to declare and preach, uh, the, the fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. And then he makes this little notation and he says, what does it mean to fully carry out the preaching of the word? It means that you are talking about the mystery. Isn't that a fun idea? That if you as a minister of the grace of the Lord are actually going to be proclaiming the word of God, do you know what you're going to be proclaiming? Jesus, obviously. (laughs) But he says, if I'm going to be fully carrying this thing out and preaching, I'm going to be declaring the wonders of this mystery. And then he begins to talk about the mystery itself. And he says this, this mystery has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Well, and what's the mystery? It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, Jesus, we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom Get this, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me in power. This is a phenomenal statement. Here's Paul saying, wow, I get the privilege of preaching to the Gentiles of all people. Can you believe it? They get in on this thing, which is good because that's us. And Paul says, man, I get the privilege of proclaiming this mystery as I'm declaring the word of God. Well, what's the mystery? It's Christ in you. And as I'm proclaiming this idea that Christ is to dwell within you, Paul says the reason I'm doing that is so that you would actually be a complete person, a Christian in Christ. So I'm talking about Christ being in you so that you would be in him complete. Isn't that a phenomenal thought? And he says that God is carrying me along in his power. So in other words, it's through that indwelling Christ that life of Christ, that's even bringing this reality about. So this is not his talent. This is not his wisdom. This, this isn't his ability. Paul says, I'm only being carried along by the very power of God in my life to even be the one that proclaims this grand message, which is working in me, which I'm declaring is in you so that you could be complete in him. Isn't that phenomenal? I love that. So as you look at Christianity then, there's this twofold reality that, that my life is to be permanently residing, abiding, dwelling in him. And at the same time, oh, he's living inside of me through the indwelling of his spirit. Or as we've often talked around here, I am physically here. Please, please not. <laughs> I am physically here, and yet I am spiritually seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he is physically sitting at the right hand of the Father, and yet he is spiritually dwelling here through his spirit. 
And that twofold reality is what we call Christianity. So it's not, well, which one do I get? Which one do I want first? You, you can't talk that language. If you're a Christian, you have both. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. Oh, isn't that awesome? So then what does it mean to live? Think about this. What then would it mean to live in that reality? If you begin to recognize that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, what would it mean then that you have the opportunity to live in that all the time? And we could go in probably a thousand directions, but let me just aim us in one direction. Uh, Paul in 1 Thessalonians is talking about God's will for your life, which is a great statement because I hear that all the time. What's God's will for my life? Scripture makes it very clear what God's will for your life is. And, and here's how Paul describes it. He says, oh, you want to know what God's will for your life is? It's rejoice always. And you know what the word always in Greek means? It means always, which is an all the time thing. So tell your faces because you should be rejoicing. Amen. Uh, so rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. Get this, in Christ. So if you are in Christ, this is his will for you. And I love that statement, pray without ceasing. I don't know if you ever pondered what that actually means. Uh, I think as a little kid, I always had that thought of like, okay, so I have to mumble all the time. You know, it's like... uh Jesus, 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 oh Jesus, 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 oh Jesus, 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 oh Jesus, Jesus. Well, how long do you do that? Always. That's, that's, that's a long time. And I, and I legitimately don't think that's what Paul's talking about. In other words, he's not just saying mumble. But when you actually get to the heart of prayer, do you realize what he's talking about is he's talking about relationship. He's talking about intimacy. He's talking about communion and communication with the living God. So if I am in Christ and Christ is dwelling within me through his spirit, do you realize that you have an opportunity to live in a constant relationship, a constant intimacy, a, a constant oneness, a, a constant communication with the living God? That this, this doesn't have to be a 15 minutes in the morning and you check it off your list and you go about your day, that you, you can have a constant intimacy with Jesus all throughout your life. That you can wake up in the morning and you can spend time with Jesus and then you can get in the car to go to work and still spend time with Jesus. And then, you know, when you get to work and you're having to deal with that one person and you know that one person, I just drives me crazy, that one person. You can still spend time with Jesus. Isn't that phenomenal? And then as you get off of work and you get home and you have to deal with that other one person, you know, back at home, whoever that might be for you. I live by myself, so... We all have our own problems, but, and you have to deal with the one person. Do you realize you can deal with that one person with Jesus? And what would it look like then if you just constantly brought Jesus into the everyday moments of your life? I was probably 20, 20 something years ago now. Uh, when I got a hold of that concept, I don't know how strongly to say this, but I have never been the same since. To, to recognize that. Uh, you know, all growing up, you know, you have that thought of like, okay, well, I'll spend time in the prayer closet. So you go spend time in the prayer closet and you leave and you put a lock on it, you know, because you don't want anybody to get in there, <laughs> especially your siblings. You know, that'd be horrible if they found God. And, you know, you, you know, so you, you, you put a lock on and you go spend out your day and you get back and you, you know, you unlock it and you, you know, you're trying to, you know, you get your 15 minutes in before uh, meals or, you know, before, before bedtime or whatever it looks like, you know, you have these... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel's making me laugh. 
But do you realize that most of us tend to treat our relationship with God as this pop in, pop out moment, you know, this random moment kind of a thing, rather than I actually, if he lives inside of me through his spirit and I'm actually in him, I, I, can, I can actually live every moment of every day in his presence. That this doesn't have to be a, well, before meals and before bedtime thing. This is, I can actually drag Jesus into the everyday moments of my life. That, that I could have constant intimacy with him. That, that I, could, I could be, you know, waking up in the morning and I see the sunrise and it could be like, whoa, God, you are so phenomenal. Because you just, for those few moments, you just paint the skies and you're gonna wipe it clean in about five minutes and you'll never do it the same way again. Like, do you know how crazy that is? I mean, c- could you imagine on, on the undercurrent of every conversation, just, just having this constant plea of, Lord, I, I need wisdom and I need insight and I need, I need articulation for, for this conversation. Would it be amazing if you could drag Jesus down to your job? <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe you don't, I need that. And I do, I do this stuff. Wouldn't it be neat if you were going out for coffee and you're sitting down with someone and it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have some thoughts. Wouldn't it be neat as, as you're sitting down, you're just like, Jesus, would you move in this moment? Wouldn't it be incredible if you're down at the grocery store and you're in that line and as you're waiting in that forever line, you know, if it's just for a few moments, you're like, Lord, I'm going to have about five seconds with that teller. Could, could you just give me words to encourage them? And could you give me insight and, and revelation of their life? And could, could you somehow give opportunity for the sake of the gospel? And see, see what if you would actually in, involve Jesus in the everyday moments of your life? So it wasn't just a moment here and a moment there. What if you just lived in the reality of Christ? I think that's what he means when Jesus says, abide in me. Because when does a branch not abide in the vine? It never not, it never, never not. That's not good grammar. It never, I shouldn't use that word. It always abides in the vine. That's a better way of saying it. And the moment it quits abiding in the vine, it's dead, folks. Do you realize the moment you don't spend time with Jesus, that the moment you pull outside of this thing, you are dead, and so if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, what, what if you would just live in this constant reality of, of living and dwelling in his presence? And is it possible that you could actually pray without ceasing day in and day out? Not, not because you're mumbling under your breath, but because you, you never stop communing and having intimacy and relationship with the God of the universe. Man, I want that. Now, my word that I've been using, which I stole, uh, but the word I've been using for the last two decades of that is this word called saturation. And the guy who gave it to me gave me permission to steal it, so it's okay. When I, when I get to this idea of saturation, uh, I usually have it in the context of saturating the word uh, of text. But do you realize everything we're talking about in terms of life in the word, it's it's in my mind, the, the, one of the best terms for that is this idea of saturation. And, and, and here's the illustration. If I had a sponge and I took this sponge and I plunged it into a bucket of water, what does it become outside of wet? <laughs> Get that, right? It becomes soaked, it becomes saturated, it becomes permeated with the water. What would happen if you were the sponge and the word of God both in text and in person, was the bucket of water. 
And what if you were soaked and saturated and permeated with him? Well, I mean, what if you just were soaked and saturated and permeated with his word? Uh, we had one student a few years ago. Uh, it was a guy. He come up to me and goes, that sounds like marinate, which is a great guy term, isn't it? I mean, you take this hunk of meat. <laughs> this is definitely a guy term. You take this hunk of meat, and we had the Coleman's here and the Coopers. So, I mean, they, they, know how to, they know how to do this. You take a hunk of meat, and you throw it in marinate, and you just give it some time. Do you realize that that marinate has so infused itself into the meat, you can't separate the marinate? I want that with this. I, I want that with the presence of God. That I am just so permeated, that I am so marinated in his presence, that I am just so wrapped up in, in, the, in the reality of, 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 of the person and the word, you, you just, I just, I'm consumed. That's what we're talking about. Uh, when, when it comes to the, the word of God in text, uh, one of the ways we've, we've described it as an illustration is, uh, imagine you're on this boat on, on a, let's say, let's say, out on the, say out on the ocean or in, say, in the Caribbean or something. You recognize that if you were on a boat looking into the water, you can see things. Uh, you, you, once in a while, you can see coral if it's high enough, you know. Uh, you can see the occasional fish swim by. But that is an entirely different experience than if you got out of the boat and jumped and put your face in the water. Because you realize the moment you get the face in the water, you, you begin to see things that you can't see just on the surface. So if all I do then is just read through Scripture for the sake of the illustration, if, if I'm just reading through scripture, you can see things, you can find some incredible nuggets, but unless it's swimming at the top of the surface, you're going to miss some things. Well, well, what should you do? Can I encourage you to go somehow beyond reading the book more than just spending you know, a few moments in prayer uh, before meals and before bedtime? Well, what if you begin to live in this thing and get your face in it? See, could you imagine... Uh, and if you've ever gone snorkeling, but right, you have this little tube and you have this, the goggles and you get your face in the water and, you know, you can dive down a little bit, but you can't stay there for too long. So you come back out and spit the water out and, you know, but just getting your face in the water, you get to see things you, you can't see otherwise. But if you put on scuba gear, suddenly you can see things that you can't see even if you just snorkel. Because now you're actually getting to have time down in the depths. But do you know how amazing it would be and I know this is impossible, but do you know how amazing it would be to somehow go beyond the snorkel and go beyond the scuba and actually grow gills? And you just lived in the water and you, would, and you just never came up for air. I mean, could you imagine what you would discover and what you would see if you just constantly lived in this thing? That's what I'm talking about. See, what, what would it mean if you were just constantly living in the book and in the person? See, that's what I want. I, I want that for you, and, and I want that for me. What, what would, as we're talking about this idea of just life in the Word, we're not, we're, not, we're not talking about momentary aspects of our life. We're not talking about certain days of the week of our life. We're talking about our life. And your whole life is to be in the Word, both the Word of God in text and the Word of God in person, which really brings up this idea of obsession, I don't know if you ever thought about the word obsession, but you realize you are obsessed with something. I mean, because everyone's obsessed with something. Now you look at culture, culture is not obsessed with good things, typically. <laughs> 
right? Whether it's the latest band, whether it's the alcohol, whether it's, I mean, you start going through the list. There, there's, there's stuff that the, that the world is obsessed over. They pine after. They're just, they're just consumed with. They just can't help themselves. Wouldn't it be mean if you had that with Jesus? And, and if you ask the question, well, what do I know or how do I know I'm obsessed with something? Well, there's three clear things that show us what you're obsessed with. And I have them on the screen. It's, it's if you look at how you spend your time, if you look at how you spend your money, and if you look at what you talk about, that is an indicator of your obsession. So if you go up to a guy and all he talks about is sports, and he spends all of his money on, on the cable channels and seeing the show or seeing the, seeing the events and seeing, you know, da, 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 then you go, I think you're obsessed. If you spend all your extra, extra money on musical theater and and you sing all the songs all throughout the day, you could say, oh, but I think you, you might be obsessed. If my little pony, is that what it's called? <laughs> That's obviously not my obsession, right? Paw Patrol, is that better? Uh, you spend all your time watching Paw Patrol or Bluey. I do like Bluey. <laughs> I really do, it's awesome. Uh, so if you spend all your time watching Bluey and, and you have, you know, it's, you sing the songs of Bluey, you realize it starts to indicate your obsession. Wouldn't it be neat if you looked at your time, your money, and what you talked about, and what came out of your life was Jesus? Wouldn't it be amazing if just what bubbled out of you, and it's not that you can't talk about other things, that's not what I'm saying, but, but what, if the, what if the undercurrent of, of, of your money, what if the undercurrent of your language, what if the undercurrent of your time was all centered on the fact that it's all, your obsession is about Jesus? I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, are you obsessed by something? Well, you'll probably say, well, no, by nothing. But all of us are obsessed by something. Whether good or bad, folks, we have an obsession. What would it look like in your life for that to be Jesus? And you were soaked and saturated and permeated with him and his word. Uh, here's what Oswald Chambers said in the Fuller quote. He says, are you obsessed by something? You'll probably say, no, by nothing. But all of us are obsessed by something usually by ourselves, or if we are Christians, by our own experience of the Christian life. But the psalmist says that we are to be obsessed by God, that the abiding awareness of the Christian life is to be God himself, not just thoughts about him. The total being of our life, inside and out, is to be absolutely obsessed by the presence of God. A child's awareness is so absorbed in his mother that although he is not consciously thinking of her when a problem arises, the abiding relationship is that with the mother. In the same way, we are to live and move and have our being in God, as Acts 17.28 says, looking at everything in relation to him because our abiding awareness of him continually pushes itself to the forefront of our lives. If we are obsessed by God, get this, nothing else can get into our lives not concerns, not tribulation, nor worries. And now we understand why our Lord so emphasized the sin of worrying. How can we dare to be so absolutely unbelieving when God totally surrounds us? To be obsessed by God is to have an effective barricade against all the assaults of the enemy. That's a great quote. And what Oswald Chambers is trying to suggest is what would it look like if you were just overwhelmingly going crazy about Jesus? I mean, but what if the first thought in the morning when you woke up was, woo, Jesus? And what if the last thought before you went to sleep was, oh, Jesus? See, why would you count sheep as you're trying to fall asleep? Why wouldn't you just talk to the shepherd? 
I mean, why, why wouldn't you involve him in, in the good, the bad, and the ugly of your, of your life? See, if good things are going well, good, involve him in that. Wow, Jesus, thanks so much for this. And man, this is incredible. Man, I, man, Lord, I love cheese. I love cheddar cheese. Thank you, God, for cheddar cheese. That's what I said this afternoon. Because I do, I love cheddar cheese. And I thoroughly enjoyed it this afternoon to the praise and the glory of my God. <laughs> And, and, and what if on, in the bad moments of your life, when things are not going well and you're having to eat Brussels sprouts, what if you drag Jesus into those moments? And God, my life isn't going well. And man, there's all this hardship. And, and man, this is not what I was expecting. But Lord, I still trust you. And I know you are good. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that you have not abandoned me, that you are faithful and that you are walking with me in this trial, whatever it may be. See, what, what, if, what if the everyday moments of your life were opportunities for you to turn your gaze afresh on Jesus? See, see, what if it was the everyday moments of life that you were actually spending life in the word? And as we've already said, what would it look like if your life was soaked, saturated, permeated, marinated in the word of God in text, scripture, and the word of God in person, whose name is Jesus? And if you want to know my prayer in this whole series... It's not that we would dabble in scripture, not that we just pop in, pop out with Jesus, but that, that our whole lives would be soaked, marinated, and saturated in him and his word. We have an incredible privilege, folks, as Christians, because we get to be in Christ. And we have his very spirit indwelling in us. So can I encourage you, let's live in light of that reality. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, we don't want to just give you the time of the day and, and go on about our lives. Lord, we genuinely want to be obsessed with you. Lord, could somehow the, the undercurrent of, of all my time and all my money and all my conversation, could, could, could somehow the, the reality of my obsession not be something but someone whose name is Jesus. Lord, Lord could somehow the, the, the delight of my heart and the meditation of my mind, morning, noon, and night, could it, could it somehow be you and your word? Lord, can I be like a sponge plunged into a bucket of water known as you? Lord, could, could you just take your word and just marinate it in my life? Lord, thank you that I get to abide in you and as crazy as it is that you want to abide in me. And so, Lord, could this twofold reality of the Christian life be the moment by moment by moment reality of how we live? Lord, don't let us just look down into the waters. Don't let us even put on snorkel or scuba gear. Lord, would you, would you somehow grow gills in our life and let us never come up for air? May we breathe deeply the reality of Christ. In your word, we love you. Just give you the praise and the glory. In your precious name, amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.